about each other. Amen. That was great. That was uh, uh, Owen over there saying, Cooper! Like, oh boy, that's going to be exciting. Amen. I want to see y'all start doing that coming in here. Arthur! Amen. We're in church, brother. It's exciting. Amen. Would you turn in your Bibles, please, to Psalm 126? The book of Psalms in the Old Testament, and specifically Psalm 126, please. Thankful again uh, to be here this morning with you all on the 4th of July. Uh, what a blessing that is. I do appreciate uh, two days ago um, celebrating my 41st uh, birthday. Uh, although my wife uh, did try to congratulate me on celebrating my 42nd birthday. I had to correct her very quickly. Honey, it's 41. Oh, yeah, you're right. So uh, she's still in her 20s, so I can't get her yet. But uh, just kidding. She's well, let's just stop right there. But uh, but nevertheless, uh, thank you for all the birthday wishes and, uh, and the prayers and, and uh, very, very thankful uh, for this church and and uh, you all and your love for our family. Uh, this morning's message is is a message that God put on my heart as I, I prayed, asking the Lord, Lord, what could I preach on the 4th of July? A patriotic message, um, perhaps a message that dealt with our government, different things of that nature. And as I prayed through it, and uh, this is the message I uh, finalized upon that I believe the Spirit of God was leading me uh, to preach this morning. Notice with me Psalm 126. I'm going to read the whole psalm. It's just six verses. Notice what it says. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then say they among the heathen, the Lord hath done great things for them. The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. And they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. With the Lord's help, I want to preach a message to you this morning entitled, Like Them That Dream. Like Them That Dream. Would you pray with me? Father, we need You. We need Your grace. We need Your mercy. Lord, we need You to... Open our hearts and our minds. And we invite you right now to be our guide and our teacher. I pray that I would be a, only a vessel. I pray that I would not get in your way. And I pray that we would all be attentive to the work of the Holy Spirit this morning. Spirit of God, we ask you now to change us. Revive us. Oh God. For your glory, we do pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
On July 4th, 1776, the great nation of America was formed. Our forefathers who signed the Declaration of Independence were men of great courage and faith who put their lives on the line. They had a vision for religious liberty, freedom of speech, right to bear arms, and a nation that would be founded upon Judeo-Christian principles. And eight years after a hard-fought war and many lives being lost and much bloodshed, they were able to look back, I'm sure, as like them that dream, and saw the providence of God as the Treaty of Paris was signed when basically it was an official acknowledgement from the British government that America had won the war. And they had indeed declared their independence. I'm sure many Americans felt at that time like them that dream. It has happened. We have our own country. We have religious freedom. And, and then uh, just uh, several years later, the Bill of Rights uh, would, would be written and established there in 1791. But then, even today, July 4th, 2021, 245 years later, I want to say, you may not agree with me, but the way I feel is we are like them that dream. We see how the providential hand of God has guided this nation in His sovereign plan. All that God has done for this great nation is, is unexplainable apart from His divine providence and grace. As one songwriter would put, I would make application to this country through many dangers, toils, and snares. America continues to be a country that shines with God's unmerited favor. You say, Pastor, do you have the right country? Have you not watched the news recently? I try not to, to be honest with you. It messes me up. It messes my theology up. Because I get worried. I get anxious. When I look at what the world is trying to show me. When I'm looking to the Bible and I believe there's a God that's still on the throne. I believe that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the God that I serve is the God that's on the throne and He has preserved America. He may wipe us out today. I don't know. But I know right now in His mercy, He has spared us. And He has poured out His blessings upon this country. And I want to be the one of the ones that says with others that in the past that said, Lord, I want to be a good steward of what You have blessed us with. I see here, though we see signs, of, as I mentioned, of deterioration in our society, it is not too hard for God to bring deliverance. In fact, this is exactly what we see in our passage that we read together in Psalm 126. This is what God did in this context. You see... Jerusalem 
had been destroyed and the children of Israel had been taken captive by the ruthless Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar. However, by the providence of God, the Persians would come in and take over Babylon and destroy them. And they would be that next world empire. And one of the first leaders of the Persians was a man by the name of Cyrus. And it was Cyrus, king of Persia, and God used him as a servant to free the children of Israel from Babylonian captivity. And so God is going to use this time to free them, to let them go back to their homeland. The place that He had chosen and still has chosen to be the place where His Son will one day reign. Where His people will be gathered. We know that place to be Jerusalem and Israel. You see, in our context here, as we read the passages, you will easily note that they are thrilled about God's deliverance. They are some happy people. You know, y'all think about that song. We are happy people. Praise the Lord. And we love the Bible. God's own word. I think these people were rejoicing. Of course, they had better voices than I did. I assure you of that. But I tell you, thank you for not saying amen right there. I expected about five amens, at least 20. No, but, uh, but anyway, we see that they were excited and, uh, about being freed from the Babylonians' control. They were in awe of God's goodness. You think about it, 70 years under this tyrant, Nebuchadnezzar. Of course, Daniel was in that time and Ezekiel was prophesying and ministering in that time. And they knew of the promises of God that had been given, but they had not been able to experience it until this point when they're being freed. And you know that they were exuberant as we see that very clearly in verse 2. And there was mouth was filled with laughter. Notice that their tongue was with singing. And uh, they were among the heathen. And the heathen took note that, wow, God has done great things for these people. But notice one of the things I want to note here this morning. And I hope that we can carry out of here with us today. Is that it didn't stop there. They were excited and exuberant. They were jubilant. They were thrilled. But they did not stop with what God had done. It led them to go to God for more. It led them to go to God for more. And one of the things that I am challenged about through this passage, church... Is that God wants to do more. And we need to ask the Lord this morning. God, would you do more? Not that we're not excited about our salvation. I hope we are. Not that we're not thrilled about our freedoms in America. And that we have a church to meet in that's climate controlled and nice padded pews. And man, not that we're not happy about having brothers and sisters in Christ and having our families and having a country where we can have jobs and, and, and make a good living and, and, uh, and whatnot. And we're happy about those things and we should be. 
But to what I see here, these people had been freed and they realized that God wanted to do more. And that's what we're going to see their hearts do. They're going to come to him saying, Lord, would you do it again? And that's where the phrase there that I want to focus on this morning found there at the end of verse uh, one. It says, we were like them that dream. I want to be like them that dream. I'm going to define that for you. To dream or to imagine is to form a mental image on the screen of our mind. God likes us to use our imagination. It's a part of our faith. It's a part of seeing what God wants to do. It's a part of of allowing God to grow us and our walk with him. Now, there is a such thing as vain imaginations. We find that very clearly in in Romans chapter one, where it it is clear that there was a such thing as uh, the people were vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. We also know that uh, in in, in Corinthians, it's uh, bringing every thought captive Every imagination uh, into the obedience of Jesus Christ. And so we have to be careful. We have to have our minds surrendered as Brother Arthur preached so well last week. And by the way, if you don't have that message, you need to get it and listen to it. Go online, listen to it. But he talked about our affections being on God himself and the things of God. And that is what I see these people doing here. Uh, they were having good dreams. And again, those dreams are not in the context of talking about in their sleep. Uh, We have good and bad dreams in our sleep, but this is talking about more specifically of those mental images that were in their mind. Like this is almost too good to be true. This is amazing what God has done. And they realized at that point, folks, God is wanting to do more. Let me share just a few points with you here very quickly with the Lord's help. Number one, I want us to see, I want to give you four points this morning. And actually, it's three points. So that I wanted to do that to make you guys feel better right at the front. How do we become like them that dream? How do we become like these people here? Like them that dream. Number one, I want us to see. We need to dream about what God did do in our lives. You see, they they recognized verse one. We see it when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion. He came and he delivered them by his grace. And they were in awe of the the deliverance the God of Israel had given them to be freed from bondage. And we see the results of it found in verse 2 and verse 3. And can I say this up front? When we dream and we think about these mental images, do you ever just think back on what God has done for you in your life? And if you're here this morning and you'd say, Pastor, I don't know if God's ever done anything for me. Can I introduce you, please, this morning to my Savior? Because He will do something awesome for you. He will give you eternal life. 
He will save you. He will make you a new creature. He will give you a new mind, a new heart. He will give you a new life. You see, that's what God did for me. And anybody here that claims to be a Christian, claims to be born again, you've had that time in your life where you have put your faith and trust in Christ. Do you ever just dream and think about how awesome your salvation is? Just marvel in it. Maybe sometimes it might help that. Just think about images that that you've been delivered from. Think about... Maybe the flames of hell. Maybe think about the torment and the screaming and, 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 the, and the agony that's being experienced in a literal place as I preach this message that is going on right now for people that have rejected the gospel. Why don't you just dream and think about the fact that by God's grace, you have been delivered from that place. You'll never go there because of what Christ has done. That gift of eternal life. What He has done. Oh, do you dream about what God has done in your life since you became a Christian? The people that He's brought into your life. The trials that He's brought you through. The forgiveness that He's extended. The over and over works of restoration that He's done in your life and my life. I mean, it's countless, is it not? It's countless. We think about what God has done for us. It's awesome. I think about the tragedy that just happened recently. Surfside, Florida. Terrible situation with that condominium crashing to the ground, half of it. And people there that are still buried have not been recovered. Unfortunately, most of them will be deceased. But there have been some that have been recovered. Through the rubble and the debris, people digging out. I was so touched by the people that have, of our own first responders that have spent countless hours trying to move the, all the heavy debris that's there. And even people coming in from other countries. I saw that a team uh, from Israel came in. They, they tried to get them a hotel room from the article I read. And they said, no, we will stay in camp here. But people that have done that. But I think about the people that have been delivered. I mean, you'd say, well, they may have survivor's guilt. Well, that's a possibility. But I want to tell you, for the majority of them, I guarantee you, they are thankful that they survived. They are thankful that somebody delivered them. And I want to tell you right now, I'm just stepping out here, my own opinion here, but I tend to think that those people that have been found and delivered and removed, I don't think they'll ever be the same. I think they'll have a new appreciation for life. At least they should. To see how their life has been spared. And I trust that if they don't know Christ, that their hearts would be moved to the mercy and grace of God. But that's how I feel. God brought me out of a pile of rubble. I was a mess. I was on my way to hell because of my sin. But God moved through all of that and came to me. And delivered me. And saved me. I'm in awe of that. And if you lost your all today, my friend, of your salvation, go home and get on your knees and say, God, I want it back. I want it back. 
I want to be in awe. And I believe they were, they were joyful. They had a song in their heart. And my friends, there's either two things that's robbed that of you. Either the fact that you have, you have not Christ, or either you do have Christ, and that as Brother Arthur preached, you have just let your affections be on the things of the world. And then that, of course, will rob you of the awe of your salvation. They dreamed of what God did do. Secondly, they dreamed of what God can do. They dreamed of what God can do. Notice with me in verse 4, and this is where we see they're turning to the Lord and uttering a communication here that, God, you have delivered us, but we have another request. Not that they were discontent, not that they were being selfish or carnal, but they said in verse 4, Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. You see, there were some that wanted to stay in captivity. There were some that did not want to experience the deliverance that God was given. Some had gotten comfortable in Babylon. And you know, sadly, there are Christians that fit that, that mold. Unfortunately, there are Christians that have got into the world, which Babylon is a picture of the world can be, and, and they've gotten comfortable there. And, and what this group is saying, Lord, you've delivered the majority of us, but there are some that have not come. And also, it was a situation as they were going back to Jerusalem, there was a complacency. They didn't have the fire of God on them like they did before. Even though they weren't worshiping idols, there was just a complacency in their life. And so these brethren are saying, Lord, turn again. You've gotten us out of Babylon. Now we just need some personal revival. We need some, if I can make daily application, present application. Lord, we need some local church revival. They dreamed of what God can do. That's something I want to do. Something I try to do. And I hope you do too. Do you ever dream about what God can do? Do you ever have mental images in your mind of the spiritual blessings that God is wanting to pour in your life? I mean, don't get me wrong. I do sometimes have dreams of a bigger boat. We were at the lake the other day, and Thomas, he didn't mean anything about it. He wasn't trying to be ugly or anything, but he was like, Daddy, why are all the other boats bigger than ours? <laughs> I said, Son, because this one we're not making payments on. <laughs> but we have those things that, you know, perhaps a, a, a bigger house and, 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 and perhaps a different car or uh, whatever, you, you fill in the blank, material things. There's nothing wrong with that as, as long as we have it in its right place and we're not putting those things in place of God. You know, um, there's, there's nothing wrong with, with that, that type of spirit as long as Brother Arthur preached last week. Again, it's in its place. Our main affection should be on Christ and His glory and growing in the Lord. But I want to tell you, it, God loves it and is pleased when you... And me, when we have mental images 
of the spiritual blessings that he is wanting to put on our life. Use your imagination on spiritual things. What about what about the redemption of lost people? Do you ever think about some of the people in your life who are now very clearly Christ rejectors? They've rejected the gospel. They have no interest in it. Do you ever dream about and just and I say dream, I'm talking about just having a mental image that you are thinking upon. Do you ever think upon and envision how they might get saved? Do you ever think about maybe a coworker or a neighbor going to them? And giving them the gospel. Do you ever think about them stepping into their vehicle and, and turning on the radio and, 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 a, and for some reason it lands on a Christian station and the gospel is given to them? Do you ever dream of the fact that they may go through a trial and their hearts start softening and turning towards Christ? Do you ever dream about getting that phone call from them inquiring about spiritual things? Friends, I'm telling you, it is good to dream about spiritual blessings. The redemption of lost souls. That family member that maybe seems no hope. I have some. I have one that lives up in Canada. And, and I dream of, of him coming to, to Christ. And I say dream. I have this mental image that I believe he's going to have a, he's a, he's a medical doctor. And I, I just in my heart am, am praying and dreaming the, the fact that another medical doctor, a co-worker, will come alongside and will witness to him or invite him to a Bible study. I don't know. I just want to use my imagination on the things of God. I want to dream. I want to be like them that dream. I don't want to be caught up in this world and all the negativity and bad news. How awful America is. How awful we are. How awful things are. How we're never going to get any better. How this is just all so, such a sad story. No, my friends, this is God's story. This is God's workings. I think about that. I think about future generations. I think about future generations. I, um, I sometimes tell the kids and kind of weirds them out a little bit, I think. I don't think they really like hearing it, but I think they need to. I think it's healthy because it's reality. I say, kids, you know, daddy's going to be gone someday. And... You're going to have a family of your own. You're going to have a husband or wife. You have children. And then one day you're going to have grandchildren. And, and I'll, I'll be, you know, great-grandchildren. I'm going to be off the scene one day. And, and I want you to be able to pour into your children and into your grandchildren what we're pouring into you. The truth we're giving you, the, the reading the Word of God and, and, and the things of God, what we learn in church and the, the, the habits that we're practicing right now. I, I want you to be able to carry on this, the, the, the life of Christ. And, and I think about the fact that, and, uh, that I dream about that. I dream about my great, great grandchildren coming to Christ. Children, that I, people that I will never meet on this side of eternity. But I think about that. I don't know their names. But I envision my mind someday, maybe Thomas as a grandfather, having his grandkids come up to him. And maybe he might mention me, he might not. But I envision the fact that he is at least giving them 
the gospel and he's instilling them the wisdom of God and encouraging the walk with God. That's my imagination. That's what I want to dream about. I want to dream about my kids taking missions trips and giving their life to Christ and making uh, their walk with God a priority and making the assembling with the local church a priority and and, uh, making things in life that matter for eternity. Tell you, I want to envision them winning people to Christ, leading people to the Lord. That's my prayer for them. My prayer is that God would protect them, lead them. And when they do get off track, and when they do want to get away from God, I want to dream about God bringing them back. Bringing them back to fellowship with Him. Even if I'm long gone. I want to dream about that. I told the story last Sunday night, and um, when we had testimonies, that one of the greatest blessings that I received on vacation was the last night of it. We were camping down in Elijah Clark State Park and had family there I loved dearly, some cousins and whatnot, had a great time. At the end of the day, one of my cousins, she's the same age as me, and she said, you know, uh, Rinson, come here. And I didn't really know what had been going on, what had been taking place, but what the news I got was, she said, her daughter, she said, she wants to talk to you about something. And so I said, sure, what's going on? And the words out of her mouth exceeded my imagination, my dreams. I was in awe. I was like them that dream. Because the next words out of her mouth as a young 12-year-old girl said, Brinson, I want to know what it means to be saved. I did not know it, but she had been talking to her mother already for weeks, even some months, about this thing, this understanding of salvation. And so right there, we went in the camper and uh, opened up the Bible and this little Bible that I had in my truck. And I'm going to tell you about that Bible, but I opened up the Bible. We went through it. She understood clearly. She was genuine and she called out to Christ to be her savior. Do you want to know something that may put me even more so of, of them like them that dream? The little Bible that I used to lead her to Christ is a little New Testament It was given to my dad in 1970. And it was given to my dad by my great-grandmother. It was a gift, I think, for graduation. He was going into the military. He's going into the Navy. But it's just a little New Testament. She says, love you, Thomas Brent Jennings. I love you. And then the body said, John 3.16. What I thought significant about this, this little Bible and my little cousin coming to Christ... This little cousin, it was her great-great-grandmother. And who would have thought Grandmother Kirby, back in 1970, when she gave that uh, little Bible to a 20-year-old, my dad had even envisioned the fact that there would be a little girl, her great-great-granddaughter, that would read that same Bible and get born again. Glory to God. Are we like them that dream? You might have a Bible that you're giving your daughter or one of your nephews 
or nieces or cousins that may be used three or four generations from now because you are like them that dream. You're believing God for great things. You believe in God is able to make all grace abound to you with all sufficiency for every good work. God is able. And I think about that when I think about what God can do. Do you let them play out in your mind? I sure hope you do. The redemption of lost souls. Yes. What about the revival of the local church? This is a whole nother message and I'm not going to preach it. But here, notice in verse number four, don't don't read over that little phrase there when he says, turn again our captivity, O Lord. And, and he gives an analogy here, an illustration. He says, as the streams in the south. Well, what does he mean by that? Well, he's talking about a, a southern desert in Israel called Negev. And it was known for having uh, flowing rivers during rainy season, but they were completely dried up in the dry season. And what he's saying there is, Lord, give us the revival we need. We know you can do it. Let the rivers flow again. And there are Christians in this church, as I preach this message, and I say this graciously, but you have dried up. You are going through a spiritual drought And I don't know all the reasons, but I will tell you this. The living waters can flow again. And that's what this prayer is. Lord, you've delivered us, but turn again our captivity. Renew that spirit in me again of living for you, of sharing the gospel like I used to, reading my Bible like I used to, forgiving people like I used to. Hey, I'm telling you, that's what we see here, a revival a request for revival. Lord, let the rivers flow again in my life. I'm praying that the Lord, I'm dreaming about the, the rivers flowing through this local church in areas that we have dried up. I'm praying that the Lord would re- revive us in our mission of winning souls, of, of being together, praying together, discipling together, worshiping together, growing together. We're all growing And my friends, one of the most healthiest things we can do as church members is to grant each other the uh, mercy and the place to be growing. Sometimes we look at each other and kind of look at it with the attitude, you should know better. Instead of, I know how you feel. And pray for that individual. Togetherness. Growing together. Asking God to, to give us, uh, help us to dream again in our vision of, of what God can do. I think about an addictions ministry that I've mentioned the other Sunday night when the brother from Baptist College Ministry preached. The Holy Spirit spoke to me very clearly about that. I'm, I'm thinking about that in my imagination, how that's going to look. I don't know all how it's going to look, but I'm imagining things. I'm, I'm dreaming of how that's going to look. I'm looking at some people that I envision uh, participating in that ministry. Helping addicts find victory in Jesus Christ. I think about a, a possible Christian school on this campus. You say, that's big. You know, I serve a big God. I think about the possibility of expanding the building on this campus to accommodate more people. To seat more people. I envision that. And my dream, can God do that? If He wants to, He can. 
And there's nothing wrong with us having those spiritual imaginations of what the Lord's going to do. You see where I'm going? I think what happens, and if you don't believe it, read the book of Haggai. But these people that had been delivered from captivity, they got back to Jerusalem and they just settled for getting by. Read Haggai. Haggai. Read Malachi. Read Zechariah. Read the book of Ezra. Read the book of Nehemiah. You saw what happened to those that were serious about rebuilding and seeing what God wanted to do. Not only a renewing our mission and our vision, but in our commitment. Our commitment to stay focused. Our commitment like Nehemiah did when he, when he came back at that section of the post-exilic uh, captivity. Uh, we, we know that they came in and Nehemiah said, come on, we're, we're, we're going to work. He had a vision for it. He was broken hearted and he said, we're going and the Lord blessed. There was a commitment there. He was like one that dreamed. And then I think of the last point here is that we need to dream of what God will do. Notice verses five and six. He goes in to talk about they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. And he, and he repeats that in verse six. And I, I believe this third point, I can say we need to, to dream of what God will do. You see, God has made some promises in his word. And one of those promises is that God will reward our labor for him. Your labor of love is not in vain. Dads, the investments you're making in your children, the battles you're facing, it's not in vain. Moms, same thing. Parents, grandparents, young people. The, the fight you're going in your own heart with a culture smacking you in the face every chance it gets. Calling your name. Trying to bring you in. The turmoil you feel in your heart. You want to go one way and then you want to go the other. I want to tell you that struggle is not in vain if you'll keep responding to God. Keep responding to His Spirit. It's not in vain. It's no, don't give up. God is able. God will free you. God will open your heart and eyes to what He's wanting to do. But it is going to come through some brokenness. Sowing tears. Sowing that seed. These two points here, I'm not going to expound on them, but under this, dreaming what God will do according to His verses, there must be a brokenness in our sowing and a bountifulness in our reaping. That's what will happen. A bountiful harvest. Breaking up that spiritual dryness. You remember, Jerusalem was rubble. The Babylonians did not do a bad job in destroying that city. They did a really good job. So when the captivity, when the people are coming back, they're like, oh my, how do we start from here? And I'm sure there was some discouragement. This is overwhelming. But God's got a message for them here. You know what it is? Sowing tears. Get out there and sweat. Be willing to cry. Be willing to be broken over somebody that's not wanting to come. Be willing to be broken in your heart over somebody that's not wanting to go. Just just sow in tears. And the promise of God, please don't forget this. The promise of God is that if we sow in tears, we shall reap in joy. Bringing our sheaves with us. Hey, that's something I can dream about. 
Though I may not see it, I can dream about the fact of how it can happen and that it will happen because God says it's going to happen. I know it will. I think about testimony I read about recently about a non-denominational church right there in Washington, D.C., pastored uh, by Mark Batterson. Uh, but it, it uh, they the story tells us that they there was a place not far from the church, just a couple blocks from the church. That was an old rundown building built in the early 1900s. And it was a crack house. It was filled with crackheads, constant crime, constant trouble. It was it was doing nothing good. And through a series of events, God gave a vision to this pastor, a mental image of what that could be. And he, he said he said that he believed the Lord wanted to see if they could make that a coffee house. And that to, to this day, I looked on the website earlier. It's there and it's thriving. It's called Ebenezer Coffee House. It went from a crack house to a coffee house. And now people are going in there and getting good coffee. People are going there and having the gospel shared to them. Members of that church, I think, take, believe take it upon themselves to have Bible studies in there, inviting the community constantly. It's amazing of what God can do. Of what God will do. As we give Him the opportunity. As we use our sanctified imaginations and are like them that dream. I think about people in my life, even in this community. People in this church that used to come here even before I came here. But have been out for years and not and they're not in another church. I dream about them coming back, if not here to another Bible believing church. I dream about that. I don't want to write them off. We don't need to write anybody off. Church, I want to tell you this morning. I'm having the time of my life pastoring this church. But I know there is so much more that God is wanting to do in my life and in the life of this church. By dreaming about the things of God, your life can go from being monotonous to momentous. I want to be like them that dream. Will you join me in saying this morning, Lord, make us like them that dream. Would you pray with me?